you like cutting your nails? What do you mean by like cutting my nails? I do cut my nails. I like like right after you're done cutting them and, and you don't feel like a dirty hobo anymore. I mean, it is nice. I mean, <sighs> here's the bigger question then, Grant. How often do you cut your fingernails? I want to do it once a week, but I, I think I need to Whoa. do it more often than that. I mean, I probably wait the two and a half weeks until they get like super long and they're really awkward. And it's like, ah, oh, don't shake my hand because you'll see how long my fingernails are. Yeah, I, I, that, I was looking that's at That's how long I wait. I was looking at my nails uh, earlier today and I'm like, those are gross, man. How did this Stop happen? It. How did I let myself go like this? Then you so notice the... that you were eating beans out of a can and your pants were tied on with a rope. That's I... the, It sneaks up on you. I used to use zip ties when I worked at the air conditioning company. For what? For a belt. What do you mean you used a zip tie? They don't even come that long. Well, the ones we used did. You could use them as a belt. Oh. But that would be silly because then you you couldn't Can't get pull, out of them. You couldn't pull them down if you needed to take a deuce. So what That's you right. do is you just find two belt loops and you zip tie those two belt loops together. Oh. You know, that is a very smart plan. If the zombie apocalypse comes, you're my first person I'm going to phone. Uh, here's a here's another deeper question. So your fingernails you're trying to do every week. How about toenails? How long how how long do you wait before you cut your toenails? Well, I have this feeling that toenails don't grow as fast because they're constantly constricted. Oh, that and they haven't they they're like plants. If they don't have sunlight, they can't grow. Yeah. So um, I, I'm going to be, yeah, it is awful. I probably do wait like a good two to three months in between cutting my toenails. Honestly, I, I don't know how often I cut them. It's just when I'm standing at the sink and look down and go, oh, dear God. And then I have oh, to dear. cut them right then and there. Yeah. You know, it, it's uh, it's one of those things that it, it's an awful habit, I know. But I often don't cut my toenails because I bite them. So. Do you really? No. <laughs> I know people that do. <clears throat> what? No, you don't. Yes, I do. Why? Like, well, why do they do this thing? Well, they bite their they bite their fingernails and like they rip them off. Like yeah. not the whole nail, but they get a little incision in there and then they rip it off as if they're cutting it. Oh, I didn't well, care. fingernails are one thing. Toenails, it's, it's a whole other bag of fish. They're bendy. I guess. Well, welcome to whatever this is, the podcast where two guys sit down and try and discover uh, whatever this is. My name is Kyle, and I'm talking with Grant is always up for a pedigree tingly. I've gotten one before. It was really nice. I want to go for one. I also want to go for a facial that doesn't involve another man. Um, but I haven't haven't made my way there yet. Have you have you ever got I'm sure you haven't, but those apparently in uh, Asian cultures you can like shove your feet in a little pond and these fish oh. come up and eat the dead dead skin off of you. Grant, you don't know how much I want that to happen in my lifetime. I really want to know what it feels like for the fish to eat all the stupid crap that's on my feet. Yeah. I want them to I want to put it right down to the bone. I want them to eat that much flesh. But when I when I had the pedicure done, like my feet were so soft and the funny thing was it it kind of hurt to walk because all my calluses were gone. Right. Oh, yeah. That'd be interesting. How long did it take? Like, do they have to, how much of a belt sander do they have to get out <laughs> to get down to, like, that soft, supple foot? Well, luckily, it wasn't, like, a dumb and dumber level. Uh, right. It's, I just have a mild callus, probably the average callus um, for a man, anyways. That's and my so rapper they, they, name, Average Callus. They basically get this uh, pumice stone and they just kind of rub it back and forth for a while. If there's any big chunks, they pull out a razor blade. Oh, gosh. And kind of like slice it off, but they didn't have to do that for me. Man, that pumice stone was probably like a marble by the time they were done with it, though. That's possible. I didn't play marbles at, back then, though. So mm -hmm. I wasn't an expert. No, but you did ask them to make it into a pog for you because you're, you're that old. Slammer, man. Yeah, slam that down. Grant, we have a few different topics. You don't have a game for me, do you? Uh, I wish I did. You haven't done a game in a while, but we have a few different topics. Basically, I had, I, had a, I had a game the other day, but it was time sensitive. Oh, what do you mean? I it was time sensitive to that weekend. Oh, I see, I see. Well, I forget we few... when it was, and I forget much about it. But it was about the movies of the weekend. We do have a few different topics this week, mostly superhero related. So sorry, everyone. But <laughs> it's also 
I'm going to guess going to be short. I mean, I always say that, and then it ends up to be a full-length episode. So, I don't know. Let's just go through these in order here, uh, Grant. Well, I, I've, I've, I've had two naps today, and for some reason— not. For some reason, I'm a little still tired. I'm tired and hungry. I haven't eaten yet, so I need some food in my belly. Why do people Grant, say yum yum in the tum tum? Because the tummy has no no tasties. How does it know? Uh, maybe they don't say tasties because it sounds like testies. And they get, they do not want their balls up in that mix. You should get a hold of BuzzFeed because their food channel is called Tasty. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're also talking about dicks again, which we should try to avoid. No, we were talking about balls. Oh, okay. Great. You brought up the dicks. <laughs> it's hard for me not to. Grant, tell me about these first two stories because I don't know anything about it. So apparently there mm-hmm. is, I'm going to read this out verbatim, possible Avengers Dark. Yeah, I don't or know Dark what that Avengers. means. It's Dark Avengers, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. Justice League, Dark, and then Dark Avengers. So, <clears throat> I mean, obviously they've had to. Uh, they've probably been working on scripts already, at least spec scripts for Phase Four, and they got to assume that maybe they'll be. You know, they don't know what's going to happen in Phase Four because of this merger. They probably still don't know what they want to do with the X Men, but they're probably still writing spec sp- scripts for certain X Men stuff. You don't any- think that they've already started pre-production on on. on- uh, whatever, not series four. What did you just say? Phase four. Phase four. My gosh, I'm too tired. They, they, they have to have started pre-production on those mostly, wouldn't you think? Uh, well, I I would assume you know obvious. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm talking like Spider-Man, Spider-Man is. Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Anyways, so uh, I know what Dark Avengers is. Do you know what Dark Avengers is? I I had to Google it. I had heard I, of it. I did. I had some of the comic books for a while, um, but it's uh, it's it's a lot of uh, bad guys pretending they're good guys. Yeah, the thrust of that comic book series, there is a whole larger storyline happening in the in the Marvel universe, in the comic universe here at least, where there was the original Avengers, and then. Uh, I think this is actually right after Civil War, if I'm not mistaken, in the comic it's af- book line. It's after one of the major ones, either Civil War yeah. or Secret Wars, uh, or Secret, Secret Invasions. War. It's one of those three. Actually, I think you're right. I think it's Secret Invasion that it happens after, because basically the actual Avengers kind of all have to go into hiding, uh, and Norman Osborn of Spider-Man fame is put into these high... Uh, reaches of power in the U.S. government, and he's overlooking all superheroes. And so he creates his own Avengers, a lot of them being supervillains, and uses them to basically carry out all of his evil deeds, but also running a PR campaign to make it look like the Dark Avengers are actually the good ones, and the Bad Avengers are actually the good ones. A a lot of uh, what Norman Osborn ends up becoming, (coughs) sorry, is the... uh... The Nick Fury character, but also the the Tony Stark character as one. So yeah, sort of. He he definitely gets corrupted quite a bit, and it's actually I think Tony Stark who eventually overthrows him in the comic books, if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, it was a whole. It went for a couple of years. There was a it was a large storyline that happened within the Dark Avengers. It was actually really good, and one of the Dark Avengers actually was um, uh, oh gosh. Wolverine's son, whose name is... You can just wait one second and I can tell you. Alan Dalek, Darren Davin, Davenport. What is his name? Oh, now now I... I I think I I have a a different... uh, Because I have the founding members are Iron Patriot, Norman Osborn, Spider-Man, Matt Gargan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also... uh, in Dark Avengers 16. Um, so I think Spider-Man is kind of like a... It says captured in Dark Avengers 16, became Scorpion again after Venom suit was taken by government. So Matt Gargan is Scorpion. Yeah, yeah. Scor- the Scorpion guy was the Spider-Man in the Dark Avengers. Miss Marvel, Dakin, by the way. Is, Dakin is, is Wolverine's son. Miss Marvel was Carla Soffin. 
Uh, don't know exactly who she was. Yeah, that was that was the concept. They took all these super villains and gave them superhero identities. So there was like a Spider Man and a Wolverine and a, a Hawkeye and a Hawkeye, like all these different ones. Anyways, yeah, the Wolverine says it's Akihiro, Wolverine's psychopathic son. He avoided capture in Dark Avengers sixteen and remains at large. Right. Spoilers. Spoilers for that. The only person being himself is Ares, who is playing Ares. Yeah, he's the god of war. So but why not? the thing that obviously bothers me the most is Bullseye as uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye, yeah. No one so, likes that. So there's a few different things that come up from this. Number one, I'm totally down if that's the route they wanted to do, where they do a storyline being, hey, we can't trust these superheroes anymore. Look at all the pain and sorrow and awfulness that they've brought upon the world since they've revealed themselves. So let's get the government to overlook them, which is kind of what Civil War was trying to do. And in so doing, they elevate someone who's much worse. Uh, whether that's Norman Osborn or a different character that they want to utilize, that's whatever they want to do in that case. And then bring some of the supervillains that we've seen already and put them into that into that storyline. That would be kind of an interesting route. Well, the more the more we need to we uh, need to be exposed more to the scrolls to really exactly. build build up the distrust I, with the superheroes because people were being scrolls. Uh, this is why I think this. You're right that it was right after Secret War because yeah, I, I remember it, that specifically. It was uh, right after I just read it. Uh, right after this is why people come to this podcast so that, so that we can read things off of wikipedia to them secret invasion well i just i mean what do you think everyone else does that's what podcasting is kyle anyways oh, no, like, i think it's cool a, we have a lot of knowledge but my knowledge is not in avengers comics right uh so i've read it it's good i think they should do it and, and we what also, it also brings we... up, this is my own uh, soapbox I get on all the time. I love the fact that Marvel has gone and really delved into a lot of its different universes, which is like there's the street level superheroes, which is like your Spider Man and Daredevil. And then there's like the more mystical, which is like your Doctor Strange. And then you're going to go out into like the gods, which is Thor and, and et cetera. Anyways, there's all these different kind of worlds that go on. And then Ant-Man a little bit is going into the microverse, uh, which is an interesting world too in the Marvel <laughs> in the Marvel canon. Anyways, what I was going to say, they've revealed the Norse gods, but some of my favorites are the Greek gods that are in the Marvel universe. And I hope that they actually do bring them out eventually. Again, mostly... Because I'm hoping that that will integrate Amadeus Cho into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, finally. Well, it would be really cool if we did... <clears throat> Golly. See, I drank milk, and this is what happens to me. Well, what? first of all, why? How dare you? Second only, of all... The only animal that drinks not its own milk. Us. Yeah, well... Or like just a really thirsty giraffe, but, I mean, that's a whole other story. <laughs> Am I right? Anyways, you were saying... Uh, it would be really fascinating to me if they uh, approached the Greek gods a bit like um, they did with uh, uh, Captain America. Mm. You know, go way back, like do a Greek period piece almost. That would be with the first awesome. Movie. Yeah, the first movie is literally set back in ancient Greece. I would be down for that. Yeah. So you do, you know, you have the first one, and then then they can borrow a little bit from. Uh, from Wonder Woman, and then instead of bringing it all the way up to present day, let's go to the 70s. Let's go to the 60s. Because Hercules is part of uh, Marvel, I believe. Yes. Again, another book I never read because I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Oh, Hercules is good. I like Hercules a <laughs> there lot. There was like no fucks given. <clears throat> um, and maybe I'm getting sick. That might be it. Know that I've heard that will cure your sickness. Uh, drink some more milk. I'm Are drinking... you an eggnog guy? Are you an eggnog guy at all? Not really. Yeah, me neither. I never have been. It's basically, it tastes, yeah, it, it, it tastes, tastes off to me. Yeah, exactly. And it's like unless you pour like a like <laughs> a helpful or like a heapfuls of tablespoons of cinnamon into it, it's like I just don't want it. <laughs> I know some people that drink hot eggnog, and I'm like, no. I know people are like, there's people on my Facebook timeline who's like, I have the nog, and they like they, they just drink nog for like two months straight. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Can't imagine. I only I only had the nog one time, and it was went for 
Christmas up at Tahoe with girlfriend and her family and all that stuff. And, you know, they bought like one bottle of eggnog and then five bottles of rum. So it was really right. like it was like rum. rum with the splash of eggnog. Yeah. <clears throat> I think my first boyfriend gave me the nog. But anyways, <laughs> that's... <laughs> but it's like it's like now uh, now I think about stuff like that. Like the other day I was watching um, a stupid Instagram video of this guy that chugged a bottle of Jose Cuervo. Sure. Yeah. And I just like my stomach just started twisting. You know, like a few years ago, I would have been like, "Yeah, oh, that's interesting." But well, I, I, as as I get older, I'm like 35 now. I was at this art gallery yesterday because that's what old people do, and a bunch of us got around. It's like I think what your body basically what happens in your 30s is that your body is like, "Oh, you've actually always been allergic or like averse to this. It's just now catching up with you." And I kind of agree with that philosophy. It's like even with me. Like, I used to have, in my 20s, get this. That's such a horrible horrible diet. I couldn't do it anymore. But when I first moved to Calgary, I was in, like, 22, 23. And my meal some days would be I would have an entire 12-inch pizza and, like, three glasses of milk. Like, that would have been my dinner. You know and what? now my... I think about that. I'm like, oh, <clears throat> like, God. Like, my body would just be so upset at you if you it's, did that. It's a very special uh, person to understand the glories at least maybe not today in your in your manner of the italian food pasta not the creamy stuff the red stuff so pizza spaghetti yeah. and milk yeah it's good i don't like it <laughs> in my brain i'm thinking that makes zero sense but <laughs> when i get myself a pizza or get myself a plate of spaghetti I'm, i i automatically go you know what i'd like right now big old glass of that. freezing cold milk some of that weak nog over there is what I want. Oh man! But yeah, where would you go? Would you go to Panago? Would you go to Little Caesars? No, there was a there was an independent pizza place that was two blocks away from me. The first place I moved to in Calgary, so it was called Serious Pizza, is what it was called. So I knew the owner because I went there so fucking often. Excuse my language. And um, makes me makes me happy when you use the f word. <laughs> yeah, let's just drop that in casually. And so I'd go there, and my I would usually get a Hawaiian because I'm that guy. So my pineapple pizza, or uh, if I was feeling festive, the barbecue chicken pizza. I'm a very boring pizza guy. Yeah, I like uh, I like pepperoni, and um, if they're doing a two toppings for the price of one deal, right? Like seven times, seventy percent of the time, I go just double the pepperoni. Sure. <laughs> but I, I will get pepperoni and jalapenos sometimes, and I've been slowly – the older I get, the more I go to um, pepperoni and jalapenos when they offer that. But normally yeah. I just get a single-topping pepperoni pizza. Jalapenos are good. I mean regular peppers are good too. I like them both. But yeah, I can't do the barbecue chicken pizza. No qualifier. And I, I talk about this all the time with people that I don't like – pineapple on my pizza but i think there's a, a instance where i might like it which is where maybe if it's cold jalapeno or not jalapeno but cold pineapple like so, the, like wait sorry you have the pizza hot but put cold pineapple on top of it yes okay now i think that would be uh the contrast of 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 temperatures I think would work a little bit better for me and the the uh the pineapple would be a little bit crisper and would pop mm. a little bit more instead I of mean, being baked and yeah. yeah well first off you're a monster but second of all uh, i'm revealing a lot about myself apparently here this is my bold claim mm. i think that pizza tastes better when it's cold the next day anyways i yeah, don't even he heat it up i just eat it cold do you put it in the fridge so it needs to be cold cold or do you yeah. just leave it on the counter no 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 fridge well, there so are like certain, cold, cold. There are certain there are certain pizzas that are better cold, cold. And um, now, if we're talking, there's a place out here called uh, uh, Felipe's, uh -huh. and they like have a quarter of a centimeter of cheese on top. That's a <laughs> sure. no no qualification. You got to eat that fresh. That's the only way it goes. And the same probably goes, I have never had it before, but deep dish pizza, I'm assuming fresh is the way to go there. 
But, you know, your standard run-of-the-mill pizzas, there are certain pizzas uh, that if they do their cheese – now, I like it not cold-cold. I like it um, like left on the counter in the box cold. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, I'm always just so afraid of like salmonella or something happening in that. It's so fully I, I, cooked. I, I, eh. uh, here, if, I've never tried this. Case, I'm not... Just imagine how many college kids would be dead right now. I, I like to imagine dead college kids. It's like but, every year there's like 30,000 college kids just dead from salmonella from eating yesterday's pizza. I've always wanted to try killing kids. But uh, but other than that, I've also wanted to try. But I've never done so because <laughs> it would be just too much of a step towards like me becoming a sociopath, which is ordering a pizza and just putting it directly into my fridge and eating it the next day. I've never done that. I want to be very clear, but I kind of want to try it and be like, no, that's for that's tomorrow's pizza. Today, I eat my greens. Well, it's I do this uh, insane thing sometimes. Well, I used to more so, not since I've been trying to be thinner, you know. We did it all, lost another few pounds, so that's good. That's good. But I'm still bouncing still, around. Are still the doing your, your belt up with your zip ties? or? No, no. All right, well. uh, but I, I'm bouncing around the 190s and have been for about a year, and I nice. – I'm not sure what that is, but it's still 50 pounds lighter than I was. So I have gained 20 pounds in the last few months. So there you go. All in, all in, uh, all in your balls. Right. Just, I just have these really, really gigantic balls right now. Uh, I I used to do this thing where I would, I'd go to Togo's, my favorite sandwich place, and I would just be like, I would like to get, you know, I get my regular, which is a salami and cheese, everything on it, and uh, I, I, a large one. Um, and then I sit there for a half second and I go, you know what? Make that two. <laughs> yeah. And I tell myself, you know what? I'll eat this tomorrow. And you know what happens? I eat it in like that? an hour. And they're like 2,100 calories. Yikes. So within like two hours, I eat 2,200 calories. Yeah. So you're basically your daily allotment. Yeah. When I was driving down from Canada, the first Togo's I saw, I pulled off the road, grabbed two, and I—that's the, you know, that—that that was when I was like, I'm definitely gonna eat this one tomorrow, and then I'll eat this one today. But I just sat down in the hotel room and went through one, and then just went, this is happening, grabbed the other, <laughs> went through that. So in about half hour, forty-one. I just, I literally just imagine you like a cartoon character, like oh, 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 no, it's coming, and that's the second one, right? As soon as. The last piece of bread, like, put got into your lips from that first sandwich. Is like another one was like, oh, here we go again, and like this mowing down on those two sandwiches. Well, on my uh, on on uh, the Family Guy, uh, Peter. Are we really going to talk about this? Okay, I have to bring it up every episode. It's I the guess. new Joss Whedon. Yeah. Um, so there, Peter didn't know anything about apps for his phone, uh-huh. so he went searching on apps and he found Grinder. So he downloaded Grinder and he would go off. He went off to a various bathroom stall with a hole in it, and he's like – he whispers, are you married too? And the guy goes, yep. And then he, he slowly slides – the other guy from the other side slowly slides uh, a grinder sandwich through the hole. And Peter okay. just goes, bum, 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 and eats the whole thing. So oh. I imagine that's what you were thinking about, me going, bum, 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 yeah, yeah. Bum, bum, bum. but not through right. a hole in a bathroom stall. I mean if that's your thing, go ahead. But This seems unsanitary. Yeah, you're just going to catch Nog after that. I don't have know. You, have, it you seems weird. Just, have you ever just found a glory hole? <laughs> there was a bathroom, oh gosh, in like some out-of-the-way rest stop, like driving through Washington State once <laughs> that I saw one in, like an actual one. That is that is crazy to me to just find one. I was, but I keep trying to say come across one, but I yeah, you know yeah. that's not what I want to say. <clears throat> I was, did put I did put my dick in just to see, but <laughs> and it, it ended up being a saw trap. I assume it was. Yeah, it was. Tobin Bell was actually just hanging out in that in that uh, gas station. He just he has lots of free time. It's I guess. It, it's a dick escape room, is what it was. <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay, it's, well, moving on. You say that they're talking more about Avengers. You say that there's another rumored title for the fourth Avengers film. Yeah, it's probably not true, but they. Uh, the Russo brothers, in their infinite wisdom. Oh, okay. Wait. So, just take a step back. Maybe you're about to say this. It, it was the Russo brothers who posted that picture online 
and well, I forget what the the caption was, but now people have been like pouring over the picture, thinking that there's like super secrets like hidden in the image that they're trying to. Yeah, I think the, cap- the caption was "Look closely" or right. something very similar. Something like that. that. Yeah, yeah. And it had on one side, it had an A-frame ladder. Right. And then there was one of the Russos in the middle. You can't tell them about. I'm a Russo racist. Can't sure. tell them apart. Who knows? Who knows which one it was? If they didn't wear glasses like the Sklar brothers, I'd never know who I was talking to in the bed. Anyways. <laughs> um, so, and then on the other side, there was what looked like uh, an easel, an, like a, a weird support thing right. that also was in the shape of an A. So, and they went out of their way to emphasize one of the sides of the supports with these black kind of like canvases, two black painting canvases. And it didn't look like it was professionally set up because they were kind of askew. You would assume if it was, uh, you know, a a teamster or whatever, they would have perfectly put those on there. So, so everybody's like, oh, A, 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 Avengers Annihilation. That's it. Wow, that's that's where people are. I'm sure it's not Avengers Annihilation. No, I know, but I mean that's where that's that's where we got to with the the entire hive mind of the internet. That's what they came up with. But I scoured over the picture, and I don't see any weird little secrets. But also, the way my mind works is I can't unless it's you know movie stuff. I know I know a whole bunch of shit. It's all up there in my head, but I can't. My my Dewey Decimal System blows. Okay. So it's like I'm. I know I own that book. Oh, it's I... up there, but hell to me if I can find it. Who's the author? I don't know. So some I, white I, guy probably. I need to upgrade the. Uh, I need to upgrade to a computer system so I can search like keywords and stuff. But yeah, it was. Uh... But I've poured so, over the picture and I've seen. Okay. Nothing. Well, what does that make you feel? Would you, Avengers Annihilation? What is that? What was that storyline in the comics? What was Annihilation? Nothing to do with what we're dealing with here. Oh, okay. It's just it was a title, uh, in the uh, in the comics. Uh, again, I don't really watch the Avengers. So when I read, I read about it, and once they said that it had nothing to do, uh, with any uh, Avengers, uh. I believe it's a interstellar story. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So yeah, so I'm like the picture here. It looks like it's behind the scenes. You can see a you can see a, a light thing. You can see a scrim with some Q Q marks on it. You know, you can see what looks like the edge of a set. Sure. That might be an office, but we don't know. There's no cameras involved. There's there is a bottle with what to me looks like alcohol on a little tiny table that looks like a little Ikea table. Uh-huh. So, um, I don't know what I'm looking – what would I be looking for here? The marks on the scrim, which is probably a green screen because it's a black and white photo, are just standard marks. Nothing it, – it's just that easel thing. Yeah. And, and, and in between it is Joe and or Anthony Russo. I don't know. They Here, could be, they could be the same person moving back and forth really quick. I don't know. Here's the here's the over, uh, the, the general version of Annihilation. So Annihilation, this is Wikipedia again. Annihilation is a 2006 crossover storyline published by Marvel Comics, highlighting several outer space related characters in the Marvel universe. So the quick plot summary here is that Thanos visits the intergalactic prison, the Kiln. With the help of Star-Lord, he defeats the Beyonder. Thanos also befriends Screet, a Chaos Might, and enslaves a former Herald of Galactus, the Fallen One. Uh, and it goes on from there. Yeah, hey, I've heard of all those characters. But basically, the main characters are Thanos, Silver Surfer, and Galactus, apparently. Yeah, but... Um, so yeah, when I, when I read that it was an intergalactic story, I'm like, okay, I don't need to research this, because clearly... It has no bearing on this, but no, I, that I, might be part of it. But it's probably I, I I could see them maybe integrating Thanos going to this place kiln, but that might be like the only thing that they keep over from this storyline. And you can't imagine Star Lord helping him. No, unless there's some 
you know, subtext that we don't well, know yet. Well, there's going to be a time jump. Apparently, uh, Stark is on M- Mark 83 on his armors, and the last armor he had was Mark 45 or something like that. Okay. So, you know, so between Iron Man 2 and Iron – well, between Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3, however many years were there, I think he went through 35 or so Mark models of his suit. So however long between those two films are, five years, four years, and then – which you can't never tell in the, in the uh, MCU universe what the timeline really is. Right. Because if you try and arrange it on what you know actual time is versus their time, you get, start to find inconsistencies. And you're like, I don't know. They said six years since the incident in New York, but it says 2000 – this and that's not that doesn't match up so uh so we know there's going to be a time jump so it's possible that star lord is less angry or it's possible that star lord has the part of the plan it's all part of the plan to um that he needs to put his shit aside instead of being an idiot like he did with in infinity war Oh, Make you up. mean just like making half the universe disappear? You mean yeah. that little whoopsie doodle that Star Lord did? Yeah. Instead of being an idiot, he has to make up for that by friending Thanos. Well, in the very least, not friending Thanos, but helping him. So they both reach. Well, like most Thanos yeah. gets something, and then obviously Star Lord gets a secret something out of the deal. Secret nog. Uh, what I love that I'm really looking forward to discovering is apparently that the new or the next Spider-Man film literally starts exactly where the Avengers film leaves off. So there's something leading into that film somehow. Anyways. Okay. So moving on, moving on. I want to talk a little bit about SIF, which is the Calgary international film festival. I bought a pass this year and I went to see Six films, I think, in total, but there's only a couple that I wanted to discuss here with you, which is the bigger. uh, How many do you think I've heard of? How many do you think I've heard of? Oh, I think you'll have heard of some of these that I went and saw. I'm going to say you probably have heard of about twenty percent. So out of out of the six, I've heard of two of them. (laughs) Two of them. Okay. Well, I know I've heard of one of them. So. Okay. Here. I'm just going to talk, say, tell you the ones I went and saw. So I went and saw The Sisters Brothers. I went and saw Annihilation Nation. I went and saw... I think I think you mean Assassination Nation. I do, actually, yes. Oh, boy. Assassination Nation, uh, Revenge of Thanos. And I went and saw Respito, which is a Philippine film. Long Day's Journey into Night, which is, which is a Chinese film. A Canadian film called Circle of Steel, and then uh, Under the Silver Lake. So those are the six that I saw. How many of them have you heard of? Half of them. Half of them. Sisters, Brothers, Assassination Nation, and Under the uh, Silver Lake. Okay, so let's do this. Of the ones that you've heard, what do you want to know about them? Meaning, like, what do you want? Whose opinion do you? uh, Or what? What? uh, Which one do you care about hearing about first? Let's start with uh, the one that both you and I are probably the most excited about before you even saw that would be Under the Silver Lake. Yeah, Under the Silver Lake. Okay. So did you see It Follows? Yeah, of course. I think I saw it on your recommendation, too. Yeah, and did you like it? or? It was great. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because so, that, that was one I didn't see in theaters, I don't believe. Mm-hmm. Or, I saw I did... it in, or I saw it in like the super, mm-hmm. super, you know, $2 theater. So It Follows was uh, one of the, I think was my favorite film the year that it came out. Or it was definitely in my top two or three. So horror film, really moody, a really interesting take and kind of subversion of the genre. I think, uh, you know, whatever, young adults trying to find themselves. Basically kind of like a subtext for like transferring of STDs a little bit. Although I think that that's also missing the point the larger point i think that they're trying to make anyways really cool film have you seen any trailers for under the silver lake yeah you know it's great when they do these indie films right Mm -hmm. they release trailers you know like 16 months before you can actually see the movie in the theater right 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 so So i I saw the trailer when it was like a year ago 
Okay, so I didn't. I've intentionally not seen any of the trailers. I went in completely blind, not knowing what the movie was even about. I knew who I knew who the director was. I knew that Andrew Garfield was starring in it, and that was it. Well, so, a lot of times I, I go on. I go on the YouTube and I just search trailer. Yeah. And I go, you know, newest or whatever, released this week, and th- that's how I came across it. I'm like, I don't know what this is, whatever this is, and I clicked so, it on. Do you remember what the trailer like? What is the trailer reveal, or do you remember? <laughs> I don't remember much. I think she, okay. he's. It's. A, I think it's like a weird mystery of him searching for somebody. I believe. Yeah. Okay. So again, I didn't even know that. <laughs> okay. Anyways, you're right. So the central. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but he, the central conceit is this: Andrew Garfield's character is kind of aimlessly going through life. You kind of find out what's going on as the movie progresses, but he's aimlessly going through life, has come to Hollywood. Uh, I, I, I think the subtext is also that he is there to work in movies, and he meets this next-door neighbor, or at least a neighbor that lives very, very close, has a great night with her, comes back the next day when she says, yeah, we should hang out some more, come back tomorrow. He comes back the next day, there's nothing in the apartment. Completely, everything is missing and gone, and he then sets out to try and discover where she went. That's the kind of setup for the whole movie. What it turns into is something way more than that, and it goes into like surrealism. There's a little bit of film noir. There's some comedy breaks in it. There's definitely a film that is made in reverence to old Hollywood. There's a lot of references paid to, like, uh, Rebel Without a Cause and Hitchcock films. In fact, there is a scene where he is tailing this car. Like, he's following this car that is right out of Vertigo. Like, it is basically a Vertigo shot-for-shot thing with him following this car. So it's done very closely to that Hitchcock style. And so I really liked it. However, I totally understand if someone came out of that film hating it. Like, it's one of those films where I think that it's very possible for people just to think this is the dumbest thing. Like, why are they doing these really crazy things? There's affected language and and, uh, acting that's going on. But I think it's all there to serve a broader point, which I don't want to get into until you've seen it. Because I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, I was... I was vaguely paying attention because I didn't want to know too much. Anyways, really cool. I can't wait for you to see it so we can have a broader conversation about yeah. it. But uh, but I liked it quite a bit. Now, um, just a quick uh, – I don't want to know much about this one either. But uh, how was Assassination Nation as good as they say it was? I don't think so. To be to quickly had a lot of buzz going on. Had a lot of buzz going on. Yeah, I mean I say that. I think I rated it. Three and a half stars on Letterboxd, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm like, it's a seven out of ten. Like it's a, it's it's fine. It's a solid B movie, is how I look at it. I think that it muddies its message just a tiny little bit. I actually definitely think that the second half is stronger than the first. It's definitely a satire. Like that's what it's doing. It's a satirical film that I think is very much commenting on modern day. And on like rape culture and the way that we view women in society, and even actually brings in like uh, transgender issues and stuff into it in a really interesting way. Uh, but the main concept behind it is like if if everyone if everyone's like search history and uh, internet usage was leaked on into the real world, how differently would we act with one another? Yeah, if everyone knew what was going on there. So in that, it's it's interesting. I just think it takes... It's weird because normally I want movies to do some setup before we get into the action. And in this movie, I think they spent too much in the setup portion of the movie. Um, and weirdly enough, I also... Not that I think you're supposed to necessarily like like the main character. For me, I wish that I... Uh, did not see her um, as kind of a spoiled <laughs> girl in, in, in many, many ways. I think that that lessens my um, appreciation of it a little bit. But the second half is really good. There's actually some really great stylistic and cinematography that goes on. Uh, 
So definitely worth a watch. I would definitely recommend people going and watching it. Uh, just going back to Under the Silver Lake a little bit, that's, I think, what prevented me also from fully loving that movie. Like, it's not a five out of five for me, like uh, It Follows was, where I basically don't like the Andrew Garfield character much at all. Uh, again, I don't think you're supposed to, but at the same time, if you're pulling me through the movie based on just a mystery, then I need to be like, I also like this guy who's trying to discover this mystery. How much ice do you have in that cup? Yeah, sorry, man. That's my, uh, I have uh, iced green tea. Oh, nice. I didn't, uh, I, didn't I, I try to be as quiet as possible. I, I figured you would have said something earlier if it was making a lot of noise. No, that's all right. Uh, and then finally, The Sisters Brothers is actually the movie that I was, in many ways, the most disappointed in. Again, I think it's still worth a watch. I, I don't think I would pay movie prices to go and see it, but definitely still worth a watch to see it. The What I actually came out thinking was, oh, this is a movie that the Coen brothers should have directed. That's kind of what it felt like to me, is someone trying to be the Coen brothers, but wasn't the Coen brothers. This is apparently based on a book, a Canadian novel that I have never heard, which makes it the most Canadian of novels. Um, it, it's odd because I love John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix and them together. And it never really comes together for me. There's flourishes of greatness and then just a lot of plots and subplots. I feel that really just go nowhere into this film. And then really ends on a really weird note. Like, it just kind of just finishes without really feeling like that's what the ending is going to be. Um, yeah, I don't know how else to describe it. It's it's weird. It's, it's a weird Western that's basically these two outlaws being sent on uh, a mission to retrieve this guy. And then partway along the way, this guy, they decide to join up with the guy. That's basically what the movie's about. Well, it's got uh, good old 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. I know. I'm one of the outliers on this one. I actually expect it to be nominated for a bunch of awards, but it's going to be one of those movies where like, I kind of get it, but at the same time, I think there's just been so many other movies that have done what it's trying to do better than, than it. But anyways. Well, we're going to have the Holmes and Watson movie coming out soon. I'm actually much more interested in that, to be honest. And in, in fact, John C. Riley is having like a great year. I actually think he's going to win an Oscar this year for I don't know which movie role yet, whether it's this one or the Holmes and well, probably not the Holmes and Watson, but he might also be nominated for the um, oh my gosh, Laurel and Hardy movie that's being made. I don't know anything about it actually. So I oh, it's you. him. It's him and uh, oh my gosh, that British uh, Coogan. What's his first name? Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan. And they're playing Laurel and Hardy. And the movie's called Stan and whatever Laurel's first. No, Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy, right? I think uh, it's yes. called Stan and Oliver. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you're right. I know 1930s silent film stars better than I know modern actors. <laughs> it only took you nine minutes to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, that looks like an interesting film, too. So hopefully. What is uh, John C. Riley's highest. Rotten Tomatoes rated movie. I guess Gangs in New York. I don't think he's in Gangs of New York. Yes, he is. 100% John, he is. John C. Riley. Yeah, he's in a bit part in it. Oh, okay. I bet I bet you it's Chicago. Which it's not. It's Boogie Nights. Oh, it's Boogie Nights. All right. Which, oh, he actually came out in an interview recently saying that him and um, the director of Boogie Nights, which is... Help me out here. What's his name? Oh, I'm just going to wait for this. Something Anderson, right? No. Paul <laughs> oh, Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay, great. Apparently, Paul Thomas Anderson like really liked working with them. And then John C. Raleigh says, hey, any movie you want to put me in, do it. And he's never been in another Paul Thomas Anderson movie again. Well, Paul Thomas Anderson is somebody that's going to pick. He, I mean, he's going to really love working with people, but he's probably just going to pick people that are perfect for the role. Has he sure. really reused anybody? I don't think he's reused many people. He doesn't uh, have a he doesn't have a, a company like a lot of directors do nowadays. Well, it's not like Scorsese or someone who really does like reusing actors over and over again. I think sometimes to a fault. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think if Paul Thomas Anderson really has. Like, I mean, like no, like he has never used Tom Cruise again. He's never really used 
was was um Mark Wahlberg Philip Seymour, was Philip Seymour Hoffman in more than one of his? Uh, I don't think so. Off the top I don't of my head, think so. Yeah, like really, yeah, you're right. I don't think he really reuses actors very much. Okay, then uh, let's. Oh, see. I guess it is. We're missing the almost obvious one, uh, which is oh man, names tonight, Grant. I cannot remember a single person's name except Laurel and Hardy's first actual names. Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah, and that movie, that movie's called Stan and Ollie, by the way. Stan and Ollie, yeah. Is it? Uh, who's in? There will be blood. Daniel Day Lewis. Because he was in Phantom Thread. Oh, so, there you go. One oh, so person two. he's used twice. <laughs> yeah, the greatest actor of our generation, of maybe right. any generation. Okay, yeah. so um, so he was in Gangs of New York, but it was 74%, mm-hmm. not even in the top 20. Oh, wow. Number two was Guardians of the Galaxy. Interesting, okay. Uh, followed closely by When Marnie Was There. I don't even know what that movie is. Then Disney Adventure... Bears, he was the narrator at eighty nine percent. Then what's eating Gilbert Grape? He's in what's in eating Gilbert Grape? A guy named Tucker Van Dyke. Oh wow, it's been years since I've seen that movie. So and then the Aviator. Yeah. And then the Lobster. Oh man, I love that movie. Wreck It Ralph, of course, great. Of course, Cedar Rapids, yeah. of course, is great. Terry, which I want to say I know what it's about. Um. Chicago at 85%, then Sisters Brothers, and then at 84%, the Michael J. Fox star 1989 movie Casualties of War. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. I've just seen so many posters of that for some reason because, you know, when when he uh, when he got the uh, – well, I mean he had it for long before that, but when he announced he had the Parkinson's, yeah, uh, you know, they would everyone would do these little tributes to Michael J. Fox. Yeah, and you know that was like you know his first serious role. So they always, I always thought it was just a tertiary like mention because I thought it was probably a crappy movie, but turns out it's not crappy. Uh, but they would throw it in the little montage all the time. So I've seen the poster a hundred thousand times. Do you have any idea what the movie Archie is that has dots in between all the letters? Oh, uh, there is another person that's been into what Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Okay, you're just going to go right past what I just asked, but okay. Who's the other person? Well, it's important because the person is John C. Riley. Oh, is it really? He was Which also one? in Which Heart two? 8. What's that? That's his first movie. Uh, oh, Paul, okay. uh, Paul Tom, P.T. Anderson. Mm. It, it stars the uh, incomparable... Uh, the incomparable... What's his face? Now I can't remember names. Uh, but he was the uh, – let's see here. Oh, well, I give up. So what are you going to say? Anyway, I was just looking at Michael J. Fox's IMDb here, and I don't know most of this stuff here. I was going to look up Casualties of War and see who else was in it. But then I saw that his most recent work was as the voice in Archie 2, and he was also the voice in Archie. I don't even know what Ar- that is. It's Archie, but again with – periods in between each of the uh letters he so, must be a um, robot uh you would think so here's a summary isabel sullivan who's 15 has just moved to a small town to live with her uncle paul who is the town's mayor isabel has recently lost her parents in a car accident feeling very alone and friendless isabel befriends a stray robot dog named archie Though he looks like a normal dog, he's anything but. He can talk. He can run at blinding speed. He has super strength and x-ray vision. Isabel and Archie become fast friends. She teaches him how to be a normal dog while he helps her to fit in with the cool kid click. Most of all, Isabel can collide in Archie. Oh, sorry, confide in Archie about what happened to her parents. Archie can relate. He's never had a family until now. As the summer progresses, things start to get tricky. Paul is up for re-election and finds himself running against Veronica Taylor, who happens to be in cahoots with Burgertropolis, a national fast food franchise that has been trying to buy Paul out for years. What's worse, an evil man named Hugh Jablonski shows up in town, claiming to be Archie's rightful owner. So that novel is the IMDb plot description of a movie called Archie that I had no idea even existed. I really want to know what Archie stands for. Anyways, he's the voice of the dog. Uh, 
Come on, you have to... Oh, filmed in Lumsden, Saskatchewan. So, there you go. Any any Lumsden, Saskatchewan listeners can can feel great. It is, I cannot find out what uh, what Archie actually stands for, but there you go. That's a movie that apparently exists. Uh, are you still there, Grant? Apparently, apparently not. Uh, Grant Grant has gone rogue. He is he's missing. What? Am, am am I by myself now? I'm just by myself. How's it going? Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> the I accidentally hit the mute button on my microphone. <laughs> okay, I actually thought you had just left the room. I really <laughs> thought you had just like uh, you're five minutes into this plot description. I do not care. <laughs> okay, I I've got uh, Im- important uh, update information from the uh, uh, updates and corrections department, and right, this sure. just shows how stupid we are. Philip Seymour Hoffman, Hard Eight, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love, and The Master. Yeah, but has he been any more in any more Paul Thomas Anderson movies? John C. Riley, Hard Eight, Boogie Nights, Magnolia. Oh boys. Oh, Daniel Day Lewis, There Will Be Blood, Phantom Thread, Philip Baker Hall, who was the guy that stars in Hard Eight, was also in Boogie Nights and Magnolia. Julianne Moore, uh, Boogie Nights and Magnolia, William H. Macy, uh, Boogie Nights and Magnolia, Louise Louise Guzman. Uh, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love, Joaquin Phoenix, The Master, Inherent Vice, Alfred Molina, Boogie Nights, Magnolia. Can't, I don't even remember that he was in Boogie Nights. Now, this one's weird. Jillian Bell. You couldn't, if you offered me $10 billion just to name the Jillian that was in two Paul Thomas Anderson movies, I a billion dollars. I would be like, I don't know. I would just instantly give up. But yeah, Jillian Bell, who's actress from 22 to Jump Street. Um, uh, she's the bad roommate of the person that is uh, the girl that uh, Jonah Hill's character is in love with. She was in The Master and Inherent Vice. Whoever Melora Walters is, Hard Eight, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, and The Master. Thomas Jane, Boogie Nights and Magnolia. Ricky Jay. Uh, Boogie Nights in Magnolia, Kevin J. O'Connor, There Will Be Blood in The Master. Kevin J. O'Connor is uh, famous uh, for being in The Mummy as the douche canoe, Mm -hmm. Uh, the guy that uh, betrays uh, O'Connell. He's really good friends with Stephen Summers, so he's kind of like Stephen Summers' uh, good luck charm, so he kind of shoves him in a bunch of movies. Mm Mm-hmm. So, but what you're saying is that Paul Thomas Anderson doesn't reuse the same actress very often. Doesn't ever. It's like a really unique thing that happens in Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Well, we saw that there was a lot of overlap between Magnolia and Boogie Nights. Mm -hmm. And what that shows is more than likely he was working on Magnolia or knew that was going to be coming up when he was working in Boogie Nights. And he probably, and because it's such a collective work, an ensemble piece, more than likely he, he was like, let's put, you know... John C. Riley in this, how would we use him? I have to find a part for Guzman. There has to be a part for Guzman. That was the most surprising one. Like, Louis Guzman. <laughs> God damn. That guy's made a killing. Well, I doubt it. He's probably like a... He's the definition of a character actor, so he probably makes a living, for sure. But he doesn't have, a, you know, doesn't have Michael J. Fox money. What is, um, Michael, okay. what is Michael J. Fox's net worth? I, I don't know. Or are you searching that? I'm going to Google it right now. What, what do you think his net worth is? is oh, it over gosh. Or, over or under $100 million? I would say under. I'm going to say 55 Oh, you're really close. $65 million. Boom. <laughs> I, I, the other night, I, I, uh, I Googled Rhett and Link's net worth. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Because I was watching uh, – um, I was up this morning at four and that's when they upload their new yeah. videos sometimes. And it just popped up in my feed. And so I, uh, on my, I was on the YouTube on my, on my TV and I was watching educational stuff. Sure. Uh, about, you know, euphemisms and why euphemisms are used in politics and all this weird stuff. And so they popped up and they were talking about putting in 
uh, Link was talking about putting in those one of those new expensive Japanese toilets that like basically speaks to you and wipes your butt for you. The bidet, like just an and enhanced has a, bidet, and it ha- has a bidet and and flushes the toilet. If you want a little bit of a damp rump, you could conceivably just never touch the toilet except with your butt. Maybe that's what our new podcast should be called: Damp Rump. <laughs> damp Rump. <laughs> Um, so, uh, anyway, so I looked them up. How, what is their net worth? Oh, gosh. 40 million? No, it's not that crazy. It's 8 million. Oh, okay. Each. So it's. That's all right. Yeah. That's and fine. Because so, I was looking at the, uh, you know, I was when I was watching it, I'm like, they got like, there's at least five employees that aren't Rhett and Link, at least. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are they paying that or is YouTube paying that? Oh yeah, they have a they have a company now. I'm sure they're paying that somehow. Yeah, Mythical Productions or something. It was part of the Google search I did that came up. Um, would it break your heart if we skip over the last two stories and wrap up since how we're at like the 58 minute mark? Yeah. How much money has Michael J. Fox raised for Parkinson's? Oh, I'm sure there's it's a lot. I don't know, 100 million? 650 million. Jesus. Hey, you know what would be great is if you didn't have to pay for that. <laughs> I, no I, no other like, joke. I'm just like, if I was so, I'm in Canada, I don't have to pay for that. My, my, the first thing my brain went to was, people pay to have Parkinson's? <laughs> yes, could I just have a top-up on my Parkinson's, please? Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you very much. All right. All right. Thank you guys, everyone, for listening to whatever this is. There's so many different ways, of course, that you can get in contact with us. If you just hate everything that we just talked about, whateverpot at gmail.com is the email address you can send things to. You can also follow us at whateverpod. Uh, that's on Facebook or on Twitter. My own personal Twitter is at the Kyle Marshall. That's Marshall with two L's. Grant, what's your Twitter? Twitter.com slash Fejimans, F-E-J-I-M-A-N-Z, or said, depending upon one country you're in. I still have Grant Tingley at Grant Tingley, but I'm saving that for when I become famous. Never use it. Oh, right, right. That's when you jump onto that and it's like, ride for the wind. Do you ever watch The Man in the High Castle? Never. It's pretty good. This season was bonkers. I don't like Nazis. Third season came out on... uh, on uh, Friday, but the way Amazon does it is they release it midnight Eastern time. Mm-hmm. So it popped up. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I'm watching this. And then the way Amazon does it, I think, or the way Netflix does it, I think it's like midnight Pacific time. Oh, I see. So you get a little three-hour head start on Amazon. It's really good. I like it. Rufus Sewell, I don't know how to pronounce his name, um, but he's an underrated actor, and he's the – the lead antagonist, the lead Nazi. Um, uh-huh. This season, he get, becomes elevated to the uh, open Fuhrer of the uh, North American Nazi, uh, the Greater uh, American Reich, I believe, as it's called. Um, so he gets a lot of power, uh, you know. And it's really neat uh, how they're playing his character because the first thing you assume. In all these modern TV shows, it's like he's going to cheat on his wife at some point. That's going to become a thing. And I'm, it's sad, but I'm getting really happy when things don't go that direction and when a villain can be understanding, you know. I love it when people don't cheat on their wives. It's so great. Well, it's just such an overdone thing now in TV. It's like everybody has to cheat on everybody at some point, no matter what. I mean, it's only the third season. Maybe that's going to happen. But – it's it's uh, the con the concept of Man in the High Castle is the Reich and uh, the Japanese won World War Two. Yeah, the Axis powers won, and they've started to be all these little newsreels of the um, uh, Allies winning start appearing, and uh, turns out there's you start to piece it together that there's probably an alternate reality or a multiverse or something going on. And uh, so people start seeing these these little newsreels and the resistance starts building. And, you know, it's a little good, good little uh, show. It's worth watching, um, especially if you want to just the first season's a little bit of a throg. Uh, but the second season's good. The third season's really good. And it's only going to get better from here. I mean, Philip K. Dick. Yeah. I Phil mean, K. say what Dick. you say. Say what you will about the Nazis, but there's one thing I know for sure that they wouldn't have had, and that's the Nog. Can that be a thing? Is that a thing now? 
Yeah.